Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen and amen. Turn to Romans chapter 10 for me. For uh, This will be the third week that I've been kind of talking along these lines. Two weeks ago, I talked about your thoughts and, and, and how to handle your thoughts. Last week, we asked the question, what are you saying? Talking about your confession. And uh, I want to just continue right along that line today. And really, a lot of this has to deal with faith and walking and living by faith. Now, before I, I go any further, I want to ask you to do me a favor. I'm going to ask everyone on our team. I have two announcements at the end of service. If I get all excited and invigorated about this message, don't let me forget. I've got two announcements, all right? And they're at the top of my notes, so I know when I scroll down, I'm going to forget, but I got them, all right? So y'all help me remember. Are you there in Romans chapter 10? In verse 8, it says this, but what does it say? Now, he's talking about God's word, and he's talking about faith, but what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Now, he's, again, to rehash where we were last week, what we talked about this, there is a correlation between your heart and your mouth. It, there's a correlation, there's a relationship between your heart and your mouth. What, are you, what do you mean by your heart? I'm not talking about your blood-pumping heart. I'm not talking about your ventricles and capillaries. I'm talking about your spirit. And a lot of times when the Bible refers to your heart, it refers to your innermost man. Sometimes it'll say that. Your innermost man. Or it'll say your spirit. It'll talk about your spirit, the real you. And if you think about it, everyone in this room knows what I'm talking about. That there's, once you got saved... Growing up, they would call it your conscience, right? On the inside, you had a knowing that there, there's now a, the Holy Spirit is connected with you in a supernatural way, and, and he's there living inside of you. Jesus was talking, uh, and he said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. That was another instance, out of your innermost man. He wasn't literally talking about throwing up. Out of your belly, no, not that kind of belly, not that kind of living water. Living water being a type of the Holy Spirit and talking about how out of your innermost man will flow rivers of living water. Why am I telling you all this? Because you have to understand that out of the abundance of the heart, your spirit, your mouth speaks. And what you believe, there's a correlation between what you believe and what you say. So let's go on with this and then we'll, we'll, we'll keep going. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Everybody say saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And we'll say that last verse one more time. For with the heart, everybody say heart. One believes. So that's where the believing comes from. And with the Say mouth. 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 Confession is made unto salvation. I want you to repeat this after me. Say it takes both. I'm not going to have you repeat stuff all day, but when you're talking about confession, it's good to have you confess. Now, there are four types of confession. I'm not going to go through all four of them, but there's the, the confession that you make um, um, as a, a, a sinner. That would be that confession right there. Uh, I'm going to make a confession to confess Jesus Christ as Lord. 
I was a sinner. I make that confession. Now I'm saved. I believe in my heart and I confess it. So when I use the word confession today, I'm not talking about that type of confession, although that's where it starts. There's also in uh, 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins or confess your sins one to another. So there's confessing of your sins. In Hebrews, it says to hold fast your confession or your profession of faith. All right. And so there's these different types of confession we're talking about. But what I'm referring to today when I say confession is the same as I did last week. I'm just recapping a little bit. I'm talking about confessing what you believe. Every day, every time you get a chance, confessing what you believe. Because here's, here's the, the kicker verse that we have to remember. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, it says this. This is so pivotal, so crucial. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit, or eat the fruit thereof, the King James says. Eat the fruit thereof. What are you going to eat? You're going to eat life, or you're going to eat death. And what you speak is what you're going to eat. What comes out of your mouth is what you're going to eat. You're going to have death, or you're going to have life. Here's the thing that I wanted to talk to you about today. Here's kind of my central core underlying tone of the message today. Are you ready? There are many people who believe and think that, you know, uh, they'll make statements like this. Oh, well, just let the Holy Spirit do it. Or the Holy Spirit came and took over me and made me do it. And they'll say things like that. But the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He he won't make you do anything. And I'm going to read you the verse in a minute. But in John chapter 15, Jesus described the Holy Spirit as a helper, not a maker, not an enforcer, not a, a, a force. You are a free moral agent. You are not a robot. And God doesn't want robots. Like he doesn't want people. I mean, can you imagine if you're a spouse in here today, if you're married, can you imagine if you're, I mean, being in a fixed or forced marriage? Can you imagine? I mean, I don't want to be with someone that's forced by law or by an agreement or by a contract forced to love me or, 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 or I guess not forced to love me, but just forced to be with me. I mean, there's, I don't know how you could have, you know, true love there. I mean, it would just be a, a, a contractual relationship. And God's the same thing. He does not want you just to, to oh, be a robot and, oh, Lord, I love you. Lord, I worship you. And you sound like Siri every time you worship. You know, that's not what he wants. He wants a relationship. You are a free moral agent. Go back to the beginning. Go back to Genesis and look at what God created. He created the heavens and the earth. He thought it was good. He created uh, um, land, sea, sun, uh, moon, uh, stars, light. He created all these things. Then he created life. He created plants and trees. Then he created birds and uh, the, the animals in the sea and animals on the land. He created all this, thought it was good, but then he made man. And out of man, he made woman. And with man and woman, there was something different. He breathed his spirit into them. He gave us a free will. He said, now you can eat this Eat of this land, you can do whatever you want, 
You can name all the, he gave full dominion. The first thing that God did is gave dominion to Adam and Eve. Gave dominion to Adam, actually. Then Adam and Eve did what? Eve fell into a trap, gave up, gave in, excuse me. And, and, and then when Adam, I, I, you know, I find it interesting the way this works because then she, she did that. She took it to Adam. When Adam ate the fruit, that's when everything changed. When Adam did. Because Adam was the one that dominion was given to. I, I have to just, I have to wonder what would have happened because what did, what did Satan, this is really good. Think about this. This is a little different from my line of message, but hear me today. When Satan went up, went to her, the first thing he did was plant doubt. Because God told her, told them, you, can do, you have full reign. I'm, it's going to be heaven on earth. You're going to commune with me daily. It's going to be, you have everything you'll need. No sickness, no disease, no issues, no problems, no lack, no want. It's going to be perfect. Just don't eat of this tree. If you do, you'll surely die. That's what he said. And the first thing that Satan said that we have recorded is, did God really say that? If, if, did God really say that? that? That's that doubt. And it creeps in and then out of that caused her, I, I wonder what would happen if she looked back to him and said, yeah, he did. He said that. Did, will you really die? Yeah, yeah. I don't have to know because God said, I mean, what would happen if she had gone back to him with the word? What would it be like today? But we don't have that situation because she gave in. And then, of course, we know Adam, who had the dominion when he sinned, everything changed. Sin, sickness, disease entered the world. The fall of man is what we call it. Okay, so where does that leave us today? That if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, God literally puts you in right standing with God. The Bible calls us the righteousness of God in Christ. The reason that's important is because there are three things that you need to confess that I want to tell you today. There's actually more than that. I'm going to give you three today. Okay, and we'll see where we go Wednesday or next Sunday and, 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 and all that. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday. So we'll see. We'll see. I might give you some more, but today I'm going to give you three because I know that's all I have time for today. But you need to confess these things. All right. Number one that you need to confess is who you are in Christ. You need to be confessing. It needs to be part of your regular confession. Who I am in Christ. I made this statement last week, and I'm going to unpack it today. A lot of us grew up, or maybe not even grew up, maybe recently you've heard this. Maybe last week you went to a church and you heard this, and I say, well, you're just a sinner saved by grace. But the thing you have to understand is, is, is what it says in Romans chapter 6. And I'm going to do probably the most reading that I've, I've done in a service in a long time, but you need to get all of this scripture. Romans chapter 6. I want you to turn there. I want you to read this. You're in, you should be still there in 10. Go back a few chapters to Romans chapter 6. We're going to start there in the first verse. All right? If that's true, if that's true, if you're just a sinner saved by grace, then what did grace do? Because 
I, I, here's what I believe. I'm going to give you the, the end, and then we're going to tell you, we're gonna, I'm going to navigate you to the end. Here's the end. You're not a sinner. You were. You were a sinner. You were a sinner saved by grace. And when I believe in my heart and confess in my mouth, God makes me righteous. What does righteous mean? It means right standing. It means that I'm not in right standing with God until I make that belief in my heart and that confession with my mouth. But at that moment, I am saved. Saved from what? Unrighteousness that condemns me to hell. But when I do, I'm right standing now. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Let me show this to you. Because in Romans chapter 6, you, you, need to, you need to make this confession often. What shall we say then? Shall we continue? Listen to this. Listen to how he talks. Listen to how Paul wrote to the Roman church. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Shall we continue in sin? Yet there are people today, I can point out churches, and I won't do it, but I could. Famous churches, you probably know them, you probably follow them on social media. I'm glad they preach Jesus, I'm glad for it, but they will preach that, that, if you, that grace covers you and you can just go and live however you want, sin however you want, and there's no repercussions to it. That I'm telling you that's how they preach it. They may not say it exactly how I just said it, I gave you the Cliff's Notes version. But that's what they'll say. But what, is, what, is, what does God's word say? What does the Bible say? Romans 6 says this. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, so, we also should walk in newness of life. Even so, we should walk in newness of life. That's what happens when you get baptized. See, baptism, water baptism, represents the old man dying, coming up a new man. You go under the water of the old man and you come up new man. That's why, that's why we're supposed to get baptized because it represents what he's talking about here in Romans 6. I mean, listen to how he talks. I mean, we died. I mean, who goes around? Well, yep, yep, we, uh, I, I died. Hi, I'm JT, I died. But that's how he talked. Why? Because he's not talking about himself. He's talking about the old man. So when I tell you you need to confess who you are, I'm talking about you need to confess I am the righteousness of God in Christ. The old me has passed away. What does it say in 1 Corinthians? Behold, all things have become new. What, What became new? All things have become new. You have become a new creature or a new creation in Christ. That's what the Bible tells us. So you need to say that, no, I am not that person any longer. Why do you need to confess that? Because what you confess is what you're going to believe. What what you believe, you need to have it in your heart, but let it come out of your mouth because it cements it. It it cements it. Um, We just bought a basketball goal for the youth. Has anybody uh, ever done one of those mobile basketballs 
where basketball goals like the, the ones with the wheels on it, and you fill it up with water so you can move it? Well, that's what we did. We, we did that because we've got to be able to move it out here, move it around, and, and, and we don't have a place where we can cement it in. You know, and by the way, in case you're wondering, it takes much longer to build that than what's on the box. It said, what did it say? Uh, two, two people, Jamal, for, you know, a couple hours. It took me, Jamal, and Brother Lewis. Thank God Brother Lewis showed up early. It took us like three hours. We barely made it to youth service on Tuesday night. I mean, trying to build a basketball goal. But the kids loved it. They had so much fun on Tuesday. Anyways, what would be better? It'd be better to cement it in. But, but if we did, then it wouldn't move. Unless you, of course, broke up the cement and removed it. When you confess things like this, it cements it in your life. You're saying, no, I, I, I'm not going to confess that I'm still the old sinner because I'm not. God made me new. I'm going to confess I'm new. Now, my flesh may still want to do whatever. It may still want to smoke cigarettes or drink alcohol or do drugs or whatever. My flesh may want to do that, but I don't. And everyone, every one of us has been saved. You know, you know it's true. And something changes. You're like, I don't want to do that anymore. See, temptation isn't sin. Temptation isn't sin. If you're tempted, that's not sin. So when you confess these things, no, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. I'm not going to do that. I am a new creature. I am the redeemed of the Lord. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I'm going to say so, baby. I'm going to let you know I am redeemed. I'm going to let the devil know. I'm going to let my friends know. I'm going to let my family know I am redeemed. God redeemed me. All right, I got to finish. Here we go. So it says, it says a lot through here. I'll tell you what. I'm going to skip down to verse 20. We had to switch one of our computers around today. So I know typically we'd have screens on the back. But we, we, we had to do it really on the fly last minute. So if we don't have all of the scriptures... I apologize, but hopefully you have it there on your phone or your, your Bible in your, uh, in your hands. Romans chapter 6, verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin, having been what? Now is that... I'm sorry, I didn't do very well in English in high school. Is that past, present, or future? Having been set free is past tense. It's done. Having been set free from sin. Having been set free. I am not a slave to sin. Sin does not control my life. It does not run my life. Well, you just don't understand. I just wake up every day and I just have to have a drink. Well, as long as you keep confessing that, you're going to keep having to have a drink. As long as you keep confessing, well, I'm just, I'm an alcoholic. My daddy was an alcoholic. My mom was an alcoholic and everybody's an alcoholic. Then you're going to be an alcoholic. Stop talking like that. You are not. If you got saved and the living God of this world lives inside of you, you are not a slave to sin. Say that. Let that confession. Now, see, I'm saying it. I'm confessing it. You need to be confessing it. And as I go through the rest of this message today, I'm, if I had y'all repeat the, my whole message, we never leave. But say, you should start saying this stuff under your breath. I'm not a slave to sin. 
I'm not a slave to sin. And, and you might have things in your life that, you're, that you've been struggling. That God's put his finger on something. You need to stop cussing. You need to stop lying. You need to, it might be something like that. It might be something like, you know, sin is sin. We like to make, oh, well, this is big sin and that's little sin now. I mean, why a white lie? What's a white lie? What's a white lie? Don't white lie, just don't lie. Don't lie. Tell the truth. Listen to this. And having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end, which is everlasting life. Last verse of this chapter, verse 23, Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This wasn't written to the world. This was written to the Roman church, to believers in the Roman church, to, to, to people who knew what they, I mean, they knew what they signed up for. They, were, they believed in Christ. Paul, they had gone and started a church in Rome. They were, they were believers there, not just in God. They weren't Jews. They were believers in Jesus Christ. And he's telling them, you're not to continue in sin. So I'm telling you today, you need to confess who you are. I'm the redeemed of the Lord. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I, I could go on. I could talk about, I mean, I could give you a lit, litany of scriptures, but just start there. Number two, you need to confess your position. You need to confess your position. Where you're positioned in Christ. I want to show you this in, in uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to start at the end of the chapter. Ephesians chapter 1. What is your position in Christ? You know, you, again, what do people, confessions that people make that are incorrect from the Bible, they'll say, oh, well, I'm just, I'm just a nobody. I'm just, I'm just nothing. I just, I can't, I can never and they'll say things like, I can never, or I will never, and they'll confess these negative things. But what does the Bible say? In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, oops, starting in verse 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him, notice where Jesus, notice where God sat Jesus, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above, everybody say far above far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Now, that's where God sat Jesus. Now, when, when they wrote the Bible, they didn't write it in chapter and verse. Okay, they didn't go through the Bible and number it and break it down and this is verse number. That was done later when they canonized scripture and, and through the years. This was written as one continuous letter. In verse 2... This is a few sentences later. Excuse me, chapter 2. So we were in chapter 1, verse 20. It explains how, where God set Jesus. But I want you to go a few verses later in chapter 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us. So in chapter 1, he's talking about what he's done to Jesus, where he set Jesus, where he put Jesus. Where did he put him? He put him at the right hand of the Father, the right, his right hand. God set his son on his right hand. Why is that important? 
In, in kingdoms, the, the king doesn't move. He has someone sitting at his right hand and he looks over and he says, hey, I need you to do that. And that person gets the job done. Which is why when you pray, you pray to the Father in Jesus' name because he is the intermediator. He's the one in between. He's the intercessor, the Bible calls him, who's interceding on behalf of us. And, and notice, he's not just, just there to intercede our prayers. The Bible tells us where he is above things. I'm going to go back. I know you're in verse, or chapter 2, verse 4, but let me remind you, where is Jesus? In the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. That's important because COVID-19 wasn't in there. But he, I mean, I mean, the rulers and kingdoms and United States, none of that was, every kingdom of that age and the age to come, every problem from that age and the age to come, Jesus is seated above it. And then God not only moved him up, but notice back in chapter 2, verse 4, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us. Now he's talking about you and me. Even when we were dead in trespasses, in sins, he made us alive together with Christ. Now, where's Christ? Far above. Far above. By grace, you have been saved. And he raised us up together. Who are we together with? With Jesus. And made us sit together. Who are we together with? Jesus. In the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When you go through life, you shall not, should not, cannot let come out of your mouth that you're still down here. We are to live in the world, not of it. Well, then where do I live? Far above. I live far above all these problems. I live far above. I know in my life I have to deal with them, but the Bible says this life is but a vapor, but a mist. It comes and goes so fast. I've got an eternal goal, an eternal mission, and if I get caught up in the temporal things, I'm going to miss the eternal. And so I've got to confess out of my mouth, no, I'm above this. God, Jesus is above this, so I'm above this. When, when Satan comes and attacks you, that's why you have the authority and the power and dominion to say, no, not today, Satan. Not today. Go pick on somebody else because I am above. You are under my feet. Everybody pick up your shoe. Just pick up your shoe. I want you to do it. Do it. Pick up your shoe. The devil's there. He's under your feet. Just when you put your foot down, give it a nice little stomp and remind him where he is. He's under your feet. You are seated far above all principality, all power, all dominion, every name that is named from then to today. If it's got a name, the name of Jesus is above it. Now, now I'm, not, I'm nothing special, but because... I've confessed Jesus. I believe in my heart and I confessed him. The righteousness of God in Christ that I am puts me in a different position. Do you see it today? 
Do you see it? I hope I paint a clear picture of why are you asking us to talk like this? Why are you saying to confess? I've never heard any church tell me to confess like this. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, but they've done you an injustice because if you don't understand who you are and where you're seated, where your position is, your confession will be wrong. You'll confess, I'm just a nobody. I'm just, I'm going nowhere. The devil, don't, 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 let me give you some things not to say. Well, the devil's beat me up today. Why? He's, he's already been defeated and he's under your feet. You're seated far above him. Why is he beating you up? Why are you allowing him to beat you up? Why are you allowing him? Man, when, when, when sickness comes in my house, one of the kids gets sick, somebody throws up or whatever, I get my mouth moving. I'm not quiet and down or whatever. Let's just say in the middle of the night, I might go back to sleep. Then I wake up and I wake up confessing. I just, you know, sometimes I'm tired. You're like, really, you're going to throw up at 3 a.m.? You couldn't, you couldn't wait until the morning? No, just get in our bed. I'm not changing sheets tonight. Get in our bed. You know. But I'm not, I mean, you're not getting everybody else sick. No, I, listen. Uh, uh, I start confessing the word. Why? Because sickness is a weapon of the devil. And because I know where it comes from, then I'm going to start moving my mouth, getting in line with his word. And I'm not, I'm not, nope, I'm not having that today. The sickness and disease has got to go. I'll lay hands on on their bodies. Why? What does the Bible say? You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So I, I confess the word and I put it into action. Number three, Oh, let me say this. I wrote this down. Make, I am going to ask you to repeat this one. I want everyone to say this. If you're online, put it in the comments and say it out loud. Say, I have power to live a new life. You, listen, listen to this, this scripture from Romans 6. Go, or yeah, uh, Ephesians 2 and Romans 6 that we read. You are far above. You are more than a conqueror. And you have the power to live a new life. You are not bound by sin and you do not have to let sin run rampant in your life. Number three, you need to confess what you have. So who I am in Christ, my position far above, I need to, you need to confess it. I'm far above. I'm far, I'm above this. God set, set me up in the heavenly places Jesus Christ, I'm seated with him far above. He's with me, I'm with him. If his words abide in me and my words abide in him, I can ask whatever I want and it'll be done for me on earth. That's our confession. Number three, what I have. To tell you what you have, I'm going to tell you some things you don't have. Is that cool? Number one, what did Romans 6.23 say? The wages of sin is death. So I don't have death. I, I'm not going to, I'm not, death is not, I know it's appointed unto man once to die. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate it. But it's appointed unto man once to die. I get that. But you know what else the Bible says? With long life, I'll give thee. He, he'll give me long life. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, and long life will follow you. Many of us just talk about the honor of father and mother part, but you know that that's the first commandment with a promise. What's the promise? Long life. Long life. Long life. I'm not going to just walk around, well, I can die today. No, I have life. 
Johnson 10 says, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. I have life. I'm going to confess what I have. Not, not that, not, I'm not just talking about possessions, like worldly, earthly possessions. I, I mean, that's good. That's fine. But I, I mean, it's not going, my car is not going to heaven with me. My house is not going to heaven with me. What do I have? I have eternal life through Christ Jesus. But the Bible also says that I've got good life here on earth. What, what else? In, uh, um, where's this at here? Let me, okay. Um, Proverbs 13, 15. A person, this is the different translation, but I like how it says it. A person with good sense, they're respected. But a treacherous person is headed for destruction. The King James says, the way of the transgressor is hard. I, I, it bothers me when Christians, when believers say, well, it's just hard serving Jesus. It's so hard to serve Jesus. It's so, it's so hard. It's just, you know, I mean, all this stuff just comes at you and the devil attacks you. And just, you know, you start, I'm just trying to do good. And just all this happens. I'm not sure why I use a country accent. I'm not trying to offend anybody. All right. But, but I mean, people say this stuff all the time. You might have said it. And I'm really, I promise you, I'm not trying to make you feel bad or make you, I'm trying to enlighten you to understand that that's a confession that's inaccurate from the word. You're not actually, you're confessing something that's been religiously repeated and it's not biblical. Let me show it to you. Let me show you. Let me show you. So you believe me. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come unto me. This is Jesus. If you get mad at me today, don't get mad at me. Jesus said it. Jesus said it. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Anybody feel heavy laden? Anybody feel laborous? You got a lot going on, a lot happening. Come to me and I will give you more. I'll give you more labor. I'm going to give you a heavy life. I'm going to give you more trouble. I'm going to give you more problems. No, that's not what it says. Come unto me, Jesus said, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy. I don't ever say, oh, it's hard to serve Jesus. No, it's not. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Proverbs tells us the way of the transgressor, that person is headed for destruction. That life is hard. That you, may, you may have a decent life here on earth, but you're going to have an eternal burning and hell. It's hard. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You know what? Another verse. I'm going to give you another one right out of my spirit. Ready? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but my God shall deliver us from them all. But he shall deliver us from them all. See, many people, they just stop at the afflictions. Well, many are the afflictions. We're going to have a lot of afflictions. Of course you are. You live on the earth. Well, pastor, I just, will you just pray for me that I stop having trouble? Well, do you want me to pray that you die? I mean, really, I mean, what, what, what do you, I mean, because you're, you're going to, stuff will come at you, but you are above it. See, once you, see, I, I sense today that I got somewhere. I sense today that we got some light bulbs coming on, that people are realizing, I don't have to sit down here and play with this. I'm above it. Now, I understand 
that there may be a period of time where I'm going through it. But what does Psalms 23 say? Just read it. This is where my Bible's been turned this whole time. I, can't, I couldn't wait to get to this part. And we're going to end on this, Brother Andre, if you want to come. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. So I'm going to confess what I have. That's number three. I'm going to confess what do I have. Number one, what do you have? I have a good shepherd. The Bible calls him the good shepherd. He is good all the time, and all the time he is good. He is good to me. He's good to you. He's not putting bad stuff on us and trying to teach. No, he's good. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm not going to lack. I don't. I have everything that I need. I'm going to confess it. I have everything that I need. I might have to redefine my needs, but I have everything that I need. I mean, he says, beloved, I'll provide our, our, um, uh, yeah, beloved, I'll provide all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Your needs are met. What else does it say? Keep reading Psalm 23. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters, peaceful waters. He, He leads you to peace. I, you need to confess that I have peace. Well, I don't feel very peaceful right now in my life. And I will stop confessing that your life is tumultuous. Stop confessing I can't do it. Stop confessing I'll never make it. Stop oh, it's just hectic and it's just up and down. And it's, oh, it's just, oh, it's terrible. You're, you're looking forward to terrible. You're confessing terrible. Just, all right, you want to wake up and have a good day? Open your Bible. Read this out loud tomorrow before you start your week. And make it possessive. Make it, I I have what the Bible says. What does it say here? He restores. I have a restored soul. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through, I don't camp out in the valley of the shadow of death. I don't make my home in the valley of the shadow of death. The Lord is leading me through. There may be times where I'm in the valley for whatever reason, it's either the world I live in, it's the devil attacking me, or it's my own doing. But God gave me life and life more abundantly, abundantly, and he's leading me through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm not going to make my home there. I'm not going to. Look, if you're camped out in the valley of the shadow of, the de- of death today, pick up your tent and move. I want to, I got I to gotta finish up because we got several things to do. I'm going to go back to where I started. I'm telling you all this today, and I'm, I, you're like, well, you're putting a lot on me. Yes, because the Holy Spirit is your helper. He, he, he's not, you're, you're living in what you've confessed, and you, you may not have realized it before today. Why am I, I, I believe in my heart that God's for me, but you're not confessing it. In John 15, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it from the Amplified. That's why I'm on my iPad. It's John 15, 26. John 15, 26. But when the helper, or in the Amplified, it says the comforter, when the comforter comes. Now, in the Amplified, it expands on it. It gives us seven definitions of the Holy Spirit. Notice, he's a comforter. He's a counselor. He's a helper. He's an advocate, he's an intercessor, he's a strengthener, and he's a standby. Those are the things the Holy Spirit will do for you. When he comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, 
the spirit of truth who comes, he will testify regarding me. You'll know that you're saved because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He'll help you. He'll intercede. He'll strengthen you so that you can do. But the the Holy Spirit's not going to do. He's not. He cannot make you move your mouth. You've got to confess these things. You've got to confess. Hebrews 4 says, hold fast to your confession of faith. Hold fast to your confession of faith. Hold fast. Don't, 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 don't hold lightly. Don't, don't, don't say it today and then tomorrow forget it. Hold fast. Keep confessing. Keep confessing what God's word says. Keep confessing these things. You, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are not a sinner. You were, but you, you are not a slave to sin. Romans 6 says, I'm not a slave to sin. Sin does not have a hold on me. I have the power to make a new life. Amen. And so listen, this is where, this is, this is where the rubber meets the road. Because the Holy Spirit will help you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do it. Make these confessions. Who you are, what you have, and where you're seated. If you got anything out of this today, I want you just to lift up your hands. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word today. Lord, that it's changing lives even as I speak today. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.